uh, in the last couple of weeks, we have been studying the, the ministry of Jesus, uh, particularly healing in the ministry of Jesus, and uh, learning some very powerful and exciting truths uh, about how the people in Jesus' ministry received from God, how, uh, how Jesus ministered to them, how he helped them to receive. And uh, we're going to be learning some, some more. There's a lot of things we're still going to be looking at uh, through this. Last week, we started in... Mark chapter 9, looking at the, the, the boy with the mute spirit who came. His father brought him to Jesus. Uh, we saw how uh, the disciples were not able to, res to help the boy. And then we looked at how Jesus was able to help the boy receive healing and be set free. And uh, if you didn't see last week's broadcast, I encourage you to look at that. We're going to continue looking at the same passage this week, uh, but some other things, some other points. So these two teachings this week and last week do go together. You don't have to have seen last week's yet to, to enjoy this one. So um, I just want to ask you if you've got your Bible with you to open up to uh, Matthew 17. Uh, last week we looked at the, the, this, the account in Mark 9. This week we're going to look at it in Matthew 17. Uh, Mark 9 kind of gives us more detail about the actual healing. Matthew uh, focuses a little bit more on the discussion between Jesus and his disciples after the healing. And that's what we want to learn from today. So uh, open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 17, if you've got them with you. Um, and we're going to look today, we, we're going to ask a couple of questions that, that uh, kind of puzzle people, confuse people. One of them we're going to be discussing is... Um, can you, can somebody else's faith receive healing for you? Uh, we're going to look at this issue. It's, I've been asked this many, many times as I've taught in Bible schools and in churches, and we talk about faith, we talk about healing. Uh, people begin to ask the question, you know, can I receive from someone else's faith? Or can my faith receive for someone else? So we're going to look at some things Jesus said here. We're going to examine uh, some biblical answers to that question. We're also going to uh, look at, 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 we're going to look at things from a different angle to this last week. Last week we looked at the receiver. This week we're going to learn some truths about the minister, the person ministering healing to other people that you need to be aware of. Uh, and one of the other things we're going to look at today is, is, and it's included in this passage, is uh, does, it, does it require fasting to get a demon out or, or to get somebody set free? Do you need to fast? Uh, and some of you might already be aware of the passage that we're going to be looking at and have heard some things. So we're going to see, we're going to break this passage down. We're going to learn some powerful truths, see what Jesus has to say. Um, now, just, just before we read the passage, many people, um, well, put it this way. When we study the healing ministry of Jesus, you need to understand that we can learn some, some powerful things about different, different individuals involved in the healing situation from these gospel cases of healing. Now, the first person, obviously, we, we can learn about, we learned a bit about this last week, is the receiver, the sick person themselves. Uh, from the things Jesus said and how he dealt with them, how he helped them, we can learn about the receiver and what, what, how a sick person can receive healing, principles they can put into their lives, into practice in their lives. Uh, obviously, we can learn some good things about God himself from these, uh, these passages. Another person we can, receive, we can learn about is the minister, the person ministering healing to other people. So you've got these three different individuals. In fact, these three people are, are, are the three that are involved in a healing situation. You've got God himself. Obviously, he's the healer. He's the one uh, who, who, whose power sets people free. Um, and people have questions about God. Is it his will? Different things like that. And, and we'll address those in other broadcasts. Um, but when, when it comes to Jesus praying for people and ministering to people, you've got the sick person and you've got Jesus who's operating as the minister. Uh, and the anointing flowing through him. So we can learn some things. And so, some of these passages, some of these cases in the Gospels, teach us a lot of things about the minister themselves. So as we go through them, we'll learn some of those things. Um, and uh, But I just wanted to make you aware of that at the start of today as we look at this, because last week we, we learned about how Jesus helped this father to receive uh, for his son to get his son set free. So the father was the receiver and, um, and the son, the father and the son were the receiver. And we saw some principles there connected to 
things that they need to have in, in, in place in their lives in order to receive, particularly in the area of faith. We, and Jesus talked to this man about his believing. Now we'll see that in, more in other passages. And the Bible places a strong emphasis on the receiver and the things that we need. Because you see, God's side never changes. Jesus never changes. So once you know his side, that's, that's almost the easiest part. The, the bit we, we tend to challenge, uh, tend to struggle with it is our side. So the Bible places an emphasis and shows us how, what we need to, uh, to do in order to receive from God. But the Bible also shows us some other things. The Bible teaches us some powerful truths about the minister, the, the person who's praying for other people. And, uh, you know, you, you might never, you might, you might not be a full-time minister or anything like that, but you do need to learn how to pray for other people and how to help people. And so we can observe Jesus. We can see how he ministered to people in order to learn how we can be more effective and how we can help people more uh, to, to, to receive from God. And hopefully, hopefully you're going to be really encouraged by some things here. I'm going to, I'm going to stir, challenge you maybe in some areas in your own spiritual life tonight a little bit from some of the things that Jesus said. So uh, <clears throat> now this particular passage uh, in, in, uh, in, in, like I said, Mark 9 and then Matthew 17, this particular passage, um, you, th really there's two ministers. There's two ministers involved. So let me just give you a little bit of a recap before we, we look at um, the, the, the passage we're going to look at tonight. Um, initially, the disciples tried to help this boy. And they were unable to. They couldn't help him. There's nothing they could do. The boy remained uh, bound. And shortly afterwards, Jesus arrived and Jesus uh, took over. So initially, the disciples were the ministers and then Jesus was the minister. And so once Jesus was, was the minister helping this boy and his father, the boy was set free. And Jesus led this man to a position of believing God, putting his faith in God. We saw last week this man was initially putting a responsibility on everybody else. And Jesus taught him and showed him, you need to take responsibility uh, yourself for receiving from God. And, and that's the lesson from last week. Take responsibility. If you're going to receive from God, we need to take responsibility. Not always look to someone else to do it for me. Amen. So let's, uh, let's look here in Matthew 17. Now, what happens here, just the background, is that the healing has now taken place. This, this father, this son, they've probably left. Uh, they're not there. In fact, the, by the time of this discussion, they're definitely not there because the Bible says this discussion happened in private between Jesus and his disciples. So the healing has taken place already. But the disciples come to Jesus and they, they ask Jesus, why, could, why couldn't we help this boy? Why couldn't we get him set free? So let's examine their question. Let's examine the answer and find out what Jesus had to say. Because I'm sure all of you want to know how to help other people, how to be more effective at ministering healing, ministering, praying for other people, helping them to receive. We can learn. We can learn from that. So Matthew chapter 17. And we're just going to read a few verses. We're not going to read the whole passage again. Uh, we, we studied the healing itself last week. We're looking at the discussion this week that happened between Jesus and his disciples. Matthew. Now, Mark records this discussion. He just doesn't give a lot of a detail, which, which is why we're looking at in Matthew where a lot more detail is given. So let's read this. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 19 uh, says this. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. So the first point in the, that, that we see there is, is this, this discussion is taking place in private. Um, Jesus teaches his disciples some things. However, Jesus did not do this in front of the man, the boy and, and the father who were receiving healing. When the disciples initially could not help the boy and the, the man came to Jesus and said, I came to your disciples and they couldn't help. Jesus did not t ignore, you know, say, OK, hold on a second and stand there and start telling his disciples where they got it wrong right in front of the man. Uh, in fact, Jesus just put the disciples aside, focused on the man, and he showed the man where he needed to get some things right. And he didn't, didn't, didn't give the man any reason to say, well, yeah, I, I didn't receive because of the disciples. See, the man was already doing it. He was already blaming the disciples. So afterwards, once Jesus has helped the boy, he has this discussion and this takes place in private. It's very important to understand that. And, and I'll, I'll add a little bit more to that as we go. <clears throat> but let's see. Then the, G the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? 
Now, the interesting thing here is the disciples were still blaming themselves too. Now, when Jesus helped the man, he helped the man see that, uh, that he had to take responsibility himself. But in this instance, the disciples are still blaming themselves. They want to, they, they, they're not actually asking the broad question, why didn't the boy get set free? They're asking their part. Why couldn't we get him set free? Now, a lot of times, you know, ministers have blamed themselves when other people don't get healed. Uh, I've known, I know people who've believed in healing and ministering to the sick. And then a few times when they pray for some people and maybe have, you know, it's sad, have some people die or some things don't go quite right. They blame themselves and some of them even give up the healing ministry. First thing you need to understand is that it is not all, the responsibility is not all on the minister. Somebody doesn't receive, can't always blame ourselves. Now, Jesus does give us some powerful insights here, and we're going to learn that. But, um, you know, how, how many of you have ever uh, evangelized and, and talked to someone about Jesus and witnessed to, to an unsaved person, and they did not receive Jesus? Do you blame yourself? Is it always your fault? Or do we just think, well, you know, they weren't open, they didn't receive? See, when it comes to someone receiving salvation and receiving Jesus, we don't blame ourselves all the time. Now, sometimes we might think, I could have presented it better, but we don't put all the blame on us. However, in other areas, with, when it comes to healing and when it comes to praying for the sick, we always tend to blame the minister, and, we always, and the ministers blame themselves. Now, I learned a long time ago that although healing is available to everybody, not everybody receives. It's not God's fault, it's for other reasons. And, and we're going to be learning and seeing some of those reasons through this, through this study, which is it's going to be a lengthy study going on for many weeks as we go through each of these cases of healing. However, I, I learned a long time ago from the, from the parable of the sower. Now, if you don't know that parable, Jesus told a parable of, of a man who sowed seed on different types of ground. Uh, he then talked about how the seed grew in the different types of ground, how, how the seed responded and the ground. And now it wasn't because there was a problem with the seed. It was a pro the problem was with the ground. Jesus talked about thorny ground, hard ground, uh, and, and, and seed that landed by the wayside. So it wasn't, it was, it was shallow. It couldn't, couldn't take root. And uh, out of the four different types of production or ground that Jesus talked about, uh, where the word was sown in, only one type of ground, one in four, that's 25%, produced results. So sometimes we put a pressure on ourselves to get 100% results with other people. But actually, if you're getting about 25% results, you're doing within the margins that Jesus gave us. Now, it's available to everybody, but there are other factors. Other people, people themselves have got to receive. So don't, don't, don't feel bad if you pray for someone and they don't receive. I remember years ago, I heard a minister say, you know, someone asked him, what, what do you do if you pray for someone and they die? The minister says, well, I say, next, who's next? <laughs> okay, we don't, we don't, the Bible does not change just because someone doesn't receive. Just because someone doesn't receive salvation doesn't mean the Bible changes. It just means they didn't receive. But uh, so that's some important things to understand. Don't, don't, you know, we do want, we want to make sure we're doing our, past, our part best and we want to make sure we're helping and ministering to other people as best as possible. But if other people don't always receive it, can't, we can't always blame ourselves. But to the degree that as a minister, a person praying for other people, to the degree that it is on us, we must do our, the best we can. So let's learn from what Jesus said, Jan. We're going to answer some questions that, which will help people. So the disciples in Matthew 17, verse 19, the disciples asked this question, why could we not cast this demon out? Uh, verse 20, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. <clears throat> now, I'll read the rest of it in a moment. But, you know, a lot of people get caught up on what Jesus said at the end about prayer and fasting of this passage. And they kind of skip over this bit. Jesus gives an answer, right? Yeah, we can't ignore it. There was some unbelief involved. And in this instance, he's referring to the disciples' unbelief. And they were the ministers. So that begs the question, that causes the question to arise, is that uh, does it take faith on behalf of a... Uh, of, uh, does it take faith from the minister when praying for the sick? And can the minister's faith receive for someone? If the minister is an unbelief, is the person not going to receive? That's what we want to look at. Like I said, a lot of people have asked me in the past, 
that uh, things like, you know, can, can my faith receive healing for someone else? Or can, or can a minister's faith receive healing for me? Now, let, let's examine this passage. And, and you know, I, I'm big on, on making sure we have good Bible interpretation. If any of you, if those of you who have heard me in Bible school will know that I'm, I, I endeavor to make sure we interpret passages correctly and, and take things in context. Don't just pull verses out and make the Bible say what we want it to say or, or take it out of context. So the context of this discussion is very important. We can't just focus on this part of it and say, well, you see, Jesus said the disciples were in unbelief, so that's why the healing didn't happen. No, we can't focus on that. We've got to look at the actual healing itself. And, and, and put the two together to get the full picture. Uh, see, what you need to understand is actually uh, there were two problems going on here. There were two reasons why this, this, this healing was not taking place when the disciples were ministering. One of them was the condition of the disciples, which we're going to talk about tonight. Another was the, was the father and, 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 and his lack of believing, his putting his attention on people instead of God. Now, we studied that last week. So this passage shows, shows two problems, and both of these problems were working together. There was not just one single reason why the disciples couldn't help this man. There were two. One was the disciples, and two was the, was, was the, was the man. Now, this is what you've got to realize, is that even though the disciples were in a condition of unbelief, we're going to study that and we'll look at why and what, how, that, how that affected things. As I mentioned earlier, after the man tried the disciples, he came to Jesus when Jesus arrived. And um, from that point forward, the disciples were no longer the minister. Jesus was the minister. The disciples were to the side watching what was going on. So their unbelief in ministering to this person was no longer a factor. Now, I'm sure you'd agree with me that Jesus didn't have any unbelief. Jesus was a man of faith. If, if, if anybody had super faith, it was Jesus. So from this point forward, Jesus is the minister and he has no unbelief. So the issue of unbelief in the minister is gone. It's not there anymore. But did that mean Jesus could just heal this boy uh, with, without the father's faith involved? Now, we saw last week the answer to that question is no. Even when the minister was in faith, even when the minister was a man of anointing, faith and power, walking in the will of God, the flow of the Holy Spirit moving through this man, even when the minister was perfectly as good as you can get, Jesus himself, the boy, sorry, Jesus still had to talk to the father about his believing. That, tell, that answers part of the question right there, that yes, a minister needs to be in faith when praying for other people. However, the minister's faith cannot do it alone. The minister cannot just receive for the other person. When Jesus was there and he was a man of faith, he still had to get the father into a position of believing God. And, the, and, the man, and we studied that last week and please study that one. So understand there's two reasons why this boy couldn't receive. And that's why you can't, you can't just, if you're not receiving, you can't just put that on someone else. You've got to take your responsibility and get into faith in, in your, in, 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 as much as it's on you, make sure you're in faith and that you can receive from God. However, the, the, it's not just, in this passage we see it was not just on the faith of the minister. Even though the disciples were in unbelief, it wasn't just them. There was an additional problem where the man himself was not, was, was not believing God. So once that problem was fixed and the disciples, once the problem, the first problem was fixed by replacing the disciples with Jesus, now their unbelief is no longer issue. Then the second problem got fixed of getting the man into faith himself. And then once those two things were both in position, healing took place. So, um, so anyway, we talked about the, the, the man's part last week. We're talking about the, the disciples part this week. Uh, we cannot, from this passage that we're looking at, Mark 9 is what we looked at last week, Matthew 17 this week, uh, same story, same account. But from this passage, you cannot just determine that it's all on the faith of the minister. See, people, people, believe, uh, people read it and they read what the man said, where the man said, oh, the disciples couldn't do it. 
And then they read further on and they see where Jesus said, where the disciples asked, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. So people kind of read those bits and they think that is the full reason healing was not taking place. So, and they then conclude, ah, oh, you see, it's up to the faith of the minister. And if the minister is not in faith, then, 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 then that's why healing doesn't occur. And it's all their fault. And we go back to blaming again. You cannot do that from this passage. Sound interpretation, good, solid interpretation of this passage acknowledges that there were two problems going on here. Both problems had to be fixed. And to fully understand it, to interpret this passage quickly, uh, correctly, you cannot just pull out the one you prefer. And most people tend to prefer the one that blamed the disciples. Amen? So we need to realize that this passage has two problems, the disciples and, and, and the uh, and the father both problems had to be fixed now let's let's look at this uh let's begin to see what's going on here uh uh, the last week we focused on the man's faith this week we're looking at the disciples let's just finish reading this this uh passage matthew 17 verse 20 so jesus said to them uh that asked why can't we cast it out i see some people have just joined we're just in matthew 17 uh verse 19 to 21 Uh, The disciples have asked why they could not cast this demon out of this boy. Uh, And Jesus then says in verse 20, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to, uh, for you. Now, we'll study that, those things about faith on another occasion, the power, the potential of what faith can do. And then after saying that about mountains, about commenting on their unbelief, Jesus throws this on on the end. He says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And some people jump on that part and they begin to say, oh, you see, you see, demons have got to be fasted out. I'm going to get to that at the end of tonight's session. So stick with us till the end and we'll look at, uh, does it, uh, do you have to fast a demon out? Is it scriptural? But uh, we'll cover the other bit first, and then we'll get to that part. So, as we've seen, this discussion is taking place in private between the disciples. Uh, We've seen that uh, we need to interpret this correctly. We can't just jump on the one issue that the the disciples were in faith. We've also got to see the fact that Jesus had to get the man himself in faith. Um, But... um, it's important to understand this, and I'm just going to, this is where I said uh, we need to realize this discussion took place in private. Jesus did not comment on the, the disciples' unbelief in front of the Father. When he was, uh, when he was ministering to this boy, and, the, and the, boy, the Father came and said, your disciples couldn't help me, um, it's their fault, put all the blame on them, what can you do, can you do it? Jesus did not at that point say, oh, yes, you know, the disciples, I've been trying to sort them out for a long time now. And and yes, it's all their fault. This is an important point. See, Jesus only corrected his disciples afterwards. During the actual healing itself, I do not believe that Jesus wanted to give that father any reason to blame anyone else. And that's why Jesus did not focus on the faith of the disciples and their, or their unbelief while Jesus was ministering to this, to this boy. You see, at the, the man, as we saw last week, was already in a place where he was putting all the blame and the responsibility on others. And that's why Jesus did not reinforce that. See, I, I think we make a mistake when we're ministering to people, ministering healing to people, uh, when we, we give them a reason to, or an excuse to, to believe that healing is not happening because of someone else. And we need to be careful of that. People need to realize their role. The receiver needs to understand their role. And they need to take responsibility for that. Okay? But as ministers, we must also understand our role. Now, um, I'm going sh- to just take you quickly on a little journey. Let's go through the Bible. I want you to see this. I was going to do this slightly further on, but I want you to see this now. This is not the first time Jesus had to talk to his disciples about their unbelief. And in fact, Jesus, uh, it might come as a shock to you, but probably I would say possibly for most of Jesus's ministry, his disciples were in unbelief. Um, after after. Jesus was raised from the dead and into the book of Acts, they got some things sorted out. They learned. But, it, 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 you know, the disciples' spiritual condition was actually not in very good shape through most of Jesus' ministry. Now, I'm going to give you the scripture in just a minute, scriptures, and, and I'm going to show you this. 
But this instance where Jesus had to comment on the disciples being in unbelief and their, their inability for the anointing of God to flow through them to help someone else is something that Jesus had to talk to them many times about. He kept repeating it over and over again, and there's a pattern going on here. See, these disciples were sitting under the Word of God. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, you know, I, I believe that the the... the you don't get any better word than from Jesus himself. It's the purest form of word. If that is, if that is, if the if faith comes by hearing the word, then hearing Jesus himself, the word of God made flesh, you're going to get the biggest potential for faith that, that ever. However, the disciples didn't get that. They were around the word of God from Jesus's very mouth for three and a half years or so. And yet they were constantly in unbelief. And the problem is not because they were not hearing the word. The problem is it was elsewhere. There, was another, there were internal things inside of them that were blocking the word of God being able to take proper root in them. So let me just show this to you. I want you to see this uh, the, 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 and, and trace the, the disciples' spiritual condition through the Gospels. Because this is important for you. You need to realize that your spiritual condition can decline. It can deteriorate. And if, if, if your spirit, even when you're in a good church, hearing good word of God, and if different things can affect your heart condition, and, and, and if your spiritual condition deteriorates, it can affect your ability to receive, it can affect your ability to help other people receive, it can affect your ability to have the anointing of God operate through you when praying for other people. So let's look at this very briefly. If you if if you just if you're in your with if you are looking at your Bibles with me, uh, let's go to Mark. We'll we'll trace this through Mark and just see this through this one gospel. Uh, in Mark chapter four, I referred to this previously. In Mark chapter four, Jesus uh, gave his disciples or he taught the, what we call the parable of the sower. Now I've referred to this earlier, um, but Jesus in this parable. Jesus taught his, his disciples about the condition of their heart and ensuring that they kept their heart in good condition so that they could understand the word, receive the word, and the word could, could produce fruit in their lives. So Jesus has given them this warning here and he's taught this to them. Now, we're not going to read this. I just want you to, to, to reference that chapter. Now, let's go a couple of chapters later. Let's go to Mark chapter 6. And let's see, had the disciples gotten a hold of what Jesus was saying about keeping their hearts in good condition? Um, and, 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 and you're going to see, no, they didn't. Mark chapter 6, this, is, this, this, this lesson's a little bit different from the previous weeks, but this will help you because I want to encourage everybody, everybody listening that, that we need to stir up at the condition of our spiritual life. Hearing the word is not enough. To stay, to stay in faith and maintain strong faith. Hearing the word is the starting point of faith. But you can hear the word of God and you can reach a point where your heart becomes dull to that word and it can shut down the faith in your heart. Even though you're hearing word, you're getting going to a good church, your ability to operate in faith when you need it can be deteriorated. Okay, so let's see. And, and, and if this happened to Jesus' disciples, believe me, it can happen to all of us. So let's just see this. I want you to see this uh, in the word of God yourself. Mark chapter 4, Jesus warned them. Mark chapter 6. Now, in Mark chapter 6, we have the, the passage where Jesus walked on the water. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but from verse 45 is where it starts. Uh, let's just go down uh, to, toward the end of it. Jesus walks on the water uh, and eventually he, he gets to get, he says, don't worry, be of good cheer. It's me in verse 50. And in verse 51, he gets into the boat with them. Now, look at what happens here. Uh, verse 51, uh, then, uh, then he went up uh, into the boat to them. Then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond uh, measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. And that's a very powerful phrase right there. The miraculous is happening right in front of them. And there's, there's, there's something going on in the disciples themselves. 
and their inability to really appreciate this miracle and appreciate some other things. In verse 52, in, in the New King James says, their heart was hardened. This is only two chapters after Jesus has taught them the parable of the sower about making sure their heart condition was good. Now, the Amplified Bible, the Amplified Bible of that, that uh, phrase says this, their hearts had grown callous, had become dull, and had lost the power of understanding. Notice this. Even under the ministry of Jesus, the disciples' condition, heart condition is deteriorating. Now, it's because of this that eventually they were not in a position for the anointing of God to operate through them to help that young boy and set him free. And this is what's happened to a lot of people. A lot of people are trying to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And they're finding the anointing of God's not flowing through them. This lesson will help you. Okay. So the first thing, Mark 6, we see there's a deterioration taking place in the disciples in their heart condition. Under the ministry of Jesus, in the midst of revival and miracles and pure, pure quality word coming from Jesus, they're not getting stronger spiritually. They're deteriorating. Now let's jump over to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Um, this is now some things about the loaves here going on. And they're discussing from verse 13. Again, they're, they're, there's a boat involved in verse 13 departing to the other side. <laughs> this time they're in the boat and they're talking. Um, and they begin to reason amongst themselves, the disciples. Um, and uh, Jesus talks with them about some things. But in verse 17, let's see what Jesus says to them. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still, notice that word, still hardened? Now, we've gone Mark chapter 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. This is five chapters later. After teaching them the parable of the sower, they are still in a position where their heart is hardened and, and, and not in good condition. And that is, Jesus says here, it's affecting their ability to understand. That's what he spoke to them about in Mark chapter 4. Their ability to understand, receive the mysteries of the kingdom of God if their heart was in good condition. So here, their heart is, he's, he's, Jesus said, oh, is your heart still hardened? And now, it's at this point, this is Mark 8, it's at this point, the very next chapter, which is what we've been studying, Mark 9, where the, where, where the disciples try to minister to this boy, this father and his son, and cannot help them. Because they find that the anointing of God is not operating through them. Okay? Um, Mark 9 shows us the, the Mark 9, what, put it this way, the, the disciples' inability to, to minister to that boy in Mark 9 was not a sudden thing that happened. It was a result of a deterioration in their spiritual condition that had been happening over a, over a period of time. Jesus had been constantly talking to them about it. And eventually they found when they needed the power of God to flow through them to help somebody, nothing was happening and they couldn't. Now, let's jump a little bit past Mark 9, just to sh for, for, for shock value, to show you how long this went on. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 is, is after the death of Jesus, after the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. You know, often we, 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 we kind of jump on Thomas about how he did not believe when Jesus was raised from the dead. Oh, here's a shock for you. None of them believed. Thomas is the one who, who wasn't present on the one occasion. But they were, if you read the passages, you'll find that when, when some of the other disciples heard that Jesus had been raised from the dead, they didn't believe. Okay? Now notice this in Mark 16. Now, a lot of us know the Great Commission in Mark 16 where Jesus said, Go you into all the world, preach the gospel. One of the, the, the most famous passages of what Jesus said. Let's look at what happened right before he gives them the Great Commission. They've now been under his ministry three, three and a half years. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, all these amazing things they've seen. And Mark 16 verse 14. Mark 16 verse 14 says this. Later he appeared to the eleven. 
This is this isn't just Thomas. This is all this is all eleven of them now. Obviously, it's eleven because Judas is not there. He appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And what does he do? And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Notice these two things go together. Here it brings in the unbelief. He rebuked their their unbelief and their hardness of heart. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had been risen. And then right after that, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. <laughs> Which is the bit we like. Right, right before giving them the Great Commission, once again, Jesus had to comment on the, the disciples' spiritual condition. That they had allowed themselves to deteriorate to a place of unbelief due to, and he connects it, the unbelief and hardness of heart. Their heart condition had deteriorated to the point that the, the, that, that the, the, the you see, the, put it this way, the Bible says it's with the heart one believes. You believe faith is in the heart. And if the, if, if the heart condition deteriorates like that, it's going to affect a person's faith, no matter how much word they're hearing. Now, there's an answer in here for a lot of people. This is one of the reasons a lot of people are not fi are finding their faith's not working. They do it, they're going through the motions. They're doing the, 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 you know, speak the word, hear the word, all kinds of different things. And they're finding that when they step out on their faith, it's not working. That's because your heart plays a big role in your faith. I heard a minister say years ago, he says that the, the, the condition of your faith, sorry, the condition of your heart affects the condition of your faith. Faith is not just all about how much word you hear and how much word you know. Faith is produced in the heart. And if the heart condition deteriorates and is not kept strong and kept in good condition, what will happen as well is as your heart deteriorates, your faith will deteriorate too. And your ability to yield to the, to the flow of the Holy Spirit through you can deteriorate as well. Now, I gave you that foundation because I wanted you to see this. Jesus, Jesus the, what happened in Mark 9 or, or Matthew 17 with the disciples not being able to help this boy is not just a sudden thing that happened. This is a progression that happened. And that's why the anointing of God was not able to flow through. And that's why Jesus had to say to them uh, when they said, why couldn't we help this boy? Jesus said, it's because of your unbelief. Same unbelief I've been talking to you about since Mark chapter 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. It's not a new thing. And uh, fortunately, the disciples eventually got it and, and, and learned in, in Acts to keep their, 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 their spiritual condition in better shape so that the Holy Spirit could flow through them properly. See, one of the reasons that, that, that sometimes when people try to pray for other people and there's, just see, there's no power and no anointing is because they, they haven't kept their own spiritual condition in shape. Okay, so Jesus had to say to them, the reason you couldn't help that boy, the reason the anointing wasn't flowing through you was because of your unbelief. Okay, now we, are, we know we've already said, and I'm going to reiterate this, that wasn't the only problem in this passage. Okay, the disciples were not vessels for the anointing, but the man himself, also the receiver, also had to get into faith and Jesus had to, had to get him into faith. So there were two problems going on here. Last week we focused on the first problem. This week we're looking at, at, at this part of it. How to be a vessel that the Holy Spirit can flow through to help other people. But, and I'm going to say this again as well. You need to realize this. When you are praying for other people, your faith does play a role. You've got, to, you're, you've got to have faith in the fact that you are anointed. You've got to have faith in the fact that the anointing of God operates through you and believe that when you lay hands on the sick or when you speak the word of God, the word of healing over someone, you've got to speak it from a perspective of faith, believing that the power of God flows through you to help that person. So there is faith involved in the minister themselves ministering to other people. However, that does not negate the faith of the receiver. The minister needs faith to minister. The receiver needs faith to receive. Both need faith. And, and it's not a matter of just the, the minister having faith and the receiver having none. Okay. Now, some people say, well, you know, th there, are, there are passages in the Gospels where the receiver did not have faith and the person received healing. And so that proves that it's all on the faith of the minister. No, it, it doesn't prove any such thing because the passage doesn't men mention anything about the faith of the minister. Don't put words in the Bible that are not there. 
Okay, We will study those passages, and those passages come under a different instance where the Holy Spirit led Jesus to people. Now, it wasn't just, in those passages, it was not Jesus' faith receiving for them. That was a supernatural move of the healing anointing and the gifts of the Spirit through Jesus, initiated by God. And there's nothing in the Bible which says faith is involved in those for the receiver. And we'll study those separately, okay? Don't put words in the Bible that are not there. One thing I can tell you when people ask the question, can my faith receive for someone else? One thing I can tell you is this, is that there is not one single instance where Jesus said, my faith has made you whole. My faith has received for you. Now, we like to think that, that our faith can receive for someone else. Let me ask you a simple question. Very simple question. You know, we receive Jesus. We receive salvation by faith. So let me ask you this. Have you ever preached the gospel to somebody, told them about Jesus, and they didn't receive, they didn't believe, they were not open to receiving Jesus, so they didn't get into faith to receive salvation, and you just said to them, well, look, it doesn't matter, you don't have to be in faith, I can receive your salvation for you with my faith. Has that ever happened? And hopefully everyone knows the answer to that is no. You cannot receive salvation with your faith alone for another people, uh, for another person. Now you can have faith to, to speak the word of God to them, and you can have faith as a minister to, that the, the, the Holy Spirit will speak through you. But the receiving part is up to them. So faith in the minister is, is their ability to yield to the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can flow through them. How, and, and, however, the, the actual receiving of the healing is on the is on the sick person or the receiver that their faith is involved too. So uh, my faith cannot get you saved. There's no reason to believe my faith can, can can get you something else as well. Now, my faith can work in cooperation with yours to receive something. We can agree. You can have one person whose faith can come in as a support to someone else's faith to stand with them to help hold their faith up in agreement. But you can't. But but a situation where my faith does it all for you, and you don't even have any faith involved, that doesn't happen. That doesn't work like that. Okay, um, and, and it didn't happen in this instance either. And there's no scripture. If you're going to preach something, you're going to say something. Then we got to have scripture for it. There should be scripture to be able to to show uh, something rather than just coming up with ideas. See, this whole idea that the minister's faith can do it all for you comes back to that whole thing of people just wanting to put responsibility on someone else. We need to get out of that mentality and get into the mentality that my receiving from God is on me. I must be the one who takes responsibility and not put it on someone else. Now, let's um, let's let's take a little bit of time here. Um, there's probably more we could say about that, but I want to look a little bit more at, 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 at what Jesus said toward the, the end of this passage. Where Jesus said, um, let me just get flick back to the verse myself so I can read this. Matthew 17, um, we read it before, but Matthew 17, verse 19, the disciples said, why could we not cast it out? Verse 20, Jesus gives them the answer. He says, because of your unbelief. Uh, and then he explains some things about faith. He says, if your faith was in shape, you'd be able to move mountains with that faith. Move from here to there and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. But then in verse 21, he, he, he tags on another phrase and he says this. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer. Excuse me. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, people have looked at this passage without fully studying everything that's going on here. And they've picked up on that phrase and they've said, it you've got to fast some demons out. You know, you've, you, some, sometimes, sometimes if you're dealing with a tough demon, you know, there's like a super tough one. You, you've got to call a church-wide fast for three weeks to fast that demon out. And they use this passage to teach that. Now, I, so I want to I kind of cover that quickly at the end of the, the session today now. So next week we can go on to a different one of these cases of healing. Does the Bible teach that you can pray and fast a demon out? 
Now, I'm going to give you an answer here. I do not believe that's what this passage is teaching. I don't, do not believe it's what this passage is saying. Okay? Simple answer, simple reason why I do not believe that. Because, ask yourself this. When Jesus, now remember Jesus replaced the disciple as the minister. When Jesus ministered to this boy, did Jesus fast? Did Jesus have to fast that demon out? And the answer is no. There's, no. there's nowhere in there where it says, Jesus said, bring me the boy and the rest of you. Let's all go on a fast. This is going to take a few days because obviously it doesn't take five minutes to fast. We're going to have to fast this demon out. Let's get this. Let's all get together behind me now, boys. Come on. No, that didn't happen. So even though at the end of the passage, Jesus uses this phrase, this kind does not come out by prayer and fasting. He himself did not do that. Now, we've got to learn not just from Jesus' words, but from his actions. Now, it, the fact that Jesus said one thing and did something different seems to him indicate that that is not what he was saying. He was not saying that demon had to be fasted out. Because if it did, he would have gone and fasted right then and there. So Jesus was not saying that the, that the demon comes out by fasting. Okay, you, We've got to look at what he said and what he did to fully understand some things. Casting demons out does not take fasting. Now, if you're going to teach something, you've got to have good scripture for it. Now, the problem is with this passage is that people take one passage to try to teach something. They try to make the Bible say something. I'm a firm believer if that, you, that if you're going to teach a principle from the Bible, you need to be able to show it from more than one passage, more than one account. And more, now, now, yes, this phrase is mentioned in three Gospels, but all three times it's talking about the exact same case. So you can't just use those as your three witnesses because they're the, the exact, they're just the, the exact same passage, really. If you're going to teach that it takes fasting to get a demon out, you need to be able to show this from elsewhere in the Word of God. And I don't believe you can. I personally have been reading the Bible many years and I personally haven't found it. If you found it, then we can talk about it. But I don't believe it's in there. Okay. Jesus, if it took fasting to get this demon out, then Jesus would have fasted to get the demon out. But he did not. And the fact that he did not fast shows that the demon itself did not need fasting to get out. See, this is the thing. Very often people... people um, want to receive from God, they need a miracle, and, and they think, well, you see, Jesus talked about going into fasting, so they think that, it, that they need to fast to get the miracle. And I, I don't believe that's a scriptural teaching, and I'm, I, you need to understand what fasting does. You see, Jesus had told his disciples, you've got to look at everything Jesus said. Jesus had said, told his disciples they were in a, in a condition of unbelief, and that because of that unbelief, they were not able to minister. Now, we've seen why they were in a condition of unbelief, because their heart condition, their spiritual life had deteriorated over time. And their heart was no longer receptive to the word of God. Now, you see, you've got to understand this. There are different, there, there, there's more than one kind, more than one type of unbelief. Uh, some people are in unbelief because they're in ignorance. They do not know the word. They don't know what God says. Therefore, they can't believe it. That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing. You've got to hear something. You've got to hear the word before you can believe the word. So that the first type of unbelief is ignorance. Ignorance of the word. A person who has not heard the word. See, someone cannot have faith for healing if they've never heard about healing. So the, 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 the way you help a person who is in ignorance, who does not believe because of ignorance, is you give them the word. Now, that is not the only type of unbelief that there is. The first type of unbelief is ignorance. The second type of unbelief is when a person has allowed themselves to become resistant to the word, dull to the word of God, so where the word of God cannot take root in their heart, no matter how much word they're hearing. Okay. Now, the answer for that person, the, answer to the, the way to cure that kind of unbelief is not necessarily just hear more word. They don't stop hearing the word. But you see, if a person is hearing the word and it's not producing faith in their heart, then ignorance of the word is not the problem because they heard the word. They know the word. 
Now, a lot of people are sitting under the word of God in churches, and yet they're finding that their faith is not powerful and effective. And, it's, and, and, and the reason is not because they're in ignorance. It's because of what we're talking about tonight. Some people have allowed their spiritual life, the, the condition of their heart to deteriorate, and it has caused them to be in, an, in a condition of unbelief. Now, I believe when Jesus said this statement, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I personally am not convinced when he said this kind that he was referring to the demon. I personally think Jesus was referring to the unbelief. This kind of unbelief does not go out except by prayer and fasting. In other words, more word is not what they needed. All right? Uh, in order to solve the condition of unbelief that they were in, that was stopping them being able to be a vessel for the anointing of God in their life, Jesus said they needed to get their spiritual life sorted out. Their answer was not more word. The answer was to start getting into a place of prayer and fasting and stirring up and fixing the condition of their heart. See, fasting doesn't change God. Fasting does not change circumstances. Fasting changes you. Fasting does something to you, does something to your spiritual life. And when your spiritual life is then fixed, you are then in a position to operate in faith. And it's your faith that then changes the circumstances. See, that's why people, people miss that bit. They think the fasting changes the circumstances. No, the fasting gets you in a position to where your heart is in good, better shape so that faith can flow and operate through you. And then your faith works properly when you release it. Many people, their faith is not effect, being effective towards situations. It's not being effective when they're trying to minister to other people. And it's because their heart condition has deteriorated and their faith is not operating properly. Jesus here is showing the disciples how to fix the problem that was stopping them. He said, you've got to get into prayer and fasting. You've got to keep your spiritual life in better shape. See, the Bible does not say, Hebrews eleven six does not say, uh, you know, without faith it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must fast. It doesn't say that. It says, he who comes to God must believe. You've got to be in a condition of faith and believing. But fasting, see, now if a person is ignorant of the Bible, then fasting is not going to suddenly give them faith. What they need is to hear the word. However, if a person is hearing the word and the and the, and, and it's still their heart is still dull and the condition the, the the word that is not producing that faith in the heart, then the blockage is elsewhere, and that needs another solution. They've got to still keep hearing the word, but they've also got to sort out the condition of the heart. And prayer and fasting are two of the tools that help them do that. It's getting into the presence of God, spending time stirring up your spiritual life, stirring up your relationship with God, allowing, allowing the Holy Spirit to begin to minister and, and, and shape and do things in your heart. And, and fasting helps you put the flesh down. It helps you deny the flesh so that your, your spiritual life can grow. Say, Jesus was, I do not believe Jesus was teaching that the demon needed to be fasted out. I believe he was teaching that the unbelief need, needed prayer and fasting to get it out. The disciples' unbelief. He was teaching that in order for these disciples to, to get to a position where they can be an effective vessel for the Holy Spirit to flow through to other people, they needed to stir up their spiritual life. Now, let me just, let, let me just uh, go to Hebrews quickly. If you've got your Bibles and I hope, I hope you guys bring your Bibles to these sessions to do a Bible study with us. At the moment, we, 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 we're primarily studying healing. We're going to study lots of other things. Um, a lot of the sessions, we're going to be looking at the receiver and the faith and, and what's involved in receiving from God. Today's session, I've done a little bit differently. We're looking at, at your ability to minister to other people and to be in a good position spiritually, to be able to have the anointing operate through you. It does take faith to minister to other people. To have, to, to, faith in the fact that the anointing of God is on me. Faith in the fact that that God's presence is upon me, that God speaks through me. Faith in, in trusting God to give you the words to speak to other people and for his power to be released through your hand when you lay hands upon people. That takes faith. Now, that is not faith to receive. That is faith to minister to other people. 
The, man, the, the person receiving has got to now receive what comes through you. Their faith has got to receive it. So it takes faith from the receiver as well. But today we're focusing on yours, the spiritual condition you're in so that God can use you better. God can use you more effectively. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. I just want to end on this because this is an exhortation that God's really spoken a lot to me through. And, and, and I've, I've taught, done a lot of teaching through from this passage recently um because it's it's a it's a warning to us as christians it's it this is written this is hebrews it's in the new testament it's written to the church it's it's written to us and hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 says this therefore as the holy spirit says today if you will hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion now, he's quoting an Old Testament passage, but he's quoting it to us. He's saying this is relevant. This is as much, this is this this Old Testament passage being quoted in the New Testament is God speaking to us, the church, or to you as a believer. He says, as you hear the word. Now, when you hear the word, faith should come. But he's saying here, if your heart is hardened, it's going to affect that. He then goes on and he talks about the children of Israel in the wilderness. And he shows, we know that in the wilderness, the children of Israel were in unbelief. And they, they, they were unable to receive some of the things God was, was, was trying to give them. God was trying to take them into the promised land. And, and they kept seeing miracles. They, they were around Moses, the, the, the most anointed and powerful minister of the Old Testament. And yet through that whole time through the wilderness, the children of Israel were in unbelief. Now they heard the word. They they got they received the word. Moses gave them the law. That's the word of God given to them. They were hearing the word. They were being given the word of God. They were around an anointed minister, and yet and and they were even experiencing a degree of miracles. Yet they were unable to enter into the promised land, and it's because of the fact that as they were hearing the word of God, their heart condition was was not what it should have been. It was dull. It was deteriorated. And, 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 and faith could not function in their hearts. That's what he's saying here. So he says, as you, today if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The condition of your heart affects your faith. Uh, let's just jump down into to verse, um, verse 12. It says, beware brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And notice how that verse starts. Beware brethren. Who's that talking to? me you this is a warning this is not something to glaze over and just ignore and say oh well this is talking to someone else no this is the word of god speaking to you and he's saying beware watch out lest there be where in any of you in any of you an evil heart of unbelief is it possible for a christian who's heard the word of god to come to a place of being in unbelief it is possible if they do not maintain the condition of their heart. The heart, heart is where faith is produced. If you allow your heart to deteriorate by not maintaining your spiritual condition, the result is going to be an, a, a unbelief. You're going to find out when you want to step out in, in faith in your life, whether it's to receive for yourself or whether it's to minister to someone else, you're going to find that faith is ineffective. And, and, and if you want your faith to work and to get fixed, then you've got to go and fix the heart condition and get that faith functioning properly. So he warns here, do, lest there be an evil heart of unbelief in, in us in departing from the living God. Uh, and he repeats this about, um, uh, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Okay. And, 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 and we're not going to study this whole passage now. I just wanted to point out that warning. Um, that the warning, the warning is... Keep your heart in good shape. Keep your heart. We want to be people the Holy Spirit can flow through. I'm doing these session, sessions on healing because I want people to receive healing. I'm trusting God that they're going to be people who are going to receive healing through this. They're going to be touched by the Word of God. But I'm also doing these sessions to, to help train and teach some of you how to, how, how to be people who minister to healing to other people. How to help other people receive. So there's you receiving and there's you helping other people receive. And that's why the message I wanted to focus on tonight is, get, is to stir up your spiritual condition. It's very easy 
very easy. And I've seen this many times through the years uh, with, with even Bible school students. They sit under the Word of God for two, three, four years of Bible teaching, good, solid Word. And yet they come out of, the word, out of Bible school after graduation. Their spiritual life seems to slump right down. And they don't maintain that fire, maintain that walk, maintain that life and vibrancy that they received in Bible school. And one of the reasons is, or put it this way, I believe the reason is not that they haven't heard, heard the word. They've heard two, three years of word. The, the, the reason is that a lot of them do not maintain the, the, the healthy, vibrant condition of their own spiritual life and their own walk with God. And it means that they become dull spiritually. And they, they, because their own faith sinks and slumps and is non-functional, then they're always relying on somebody else. To, to get it for them. Now, my, my message to you today is this, is stir up your own spiritual life. Begin to stir this up. We need more people that the Holy Spirit can flow through. We need, every single one of you needs to be somebody that the Holy Spirit can minister through. You want to be able to lay hands on the sick and the anointing flow through. You have faith and confidence in that anointing. You want to be people who, who your own faith is, is, is vibrant to receive from God. So my encouragement today is really stir up. And it might mean some of you might need to stir up some time and pray. Take some time out to fast, to get closer to God, to get your spiritual, your heart condition back to where it is. So Jesus said these disciples, the, the reason they couldn't help this boy is because of their unbelief. And then he gives them the cure to that unbelief. Wasn't hear more word, although yes, hear more word, that's good. But the cure they needed was get your spiritual life stirred up, get into prayer, get into fasting, get to a position where you are on fire and passionate for God again, ready to be a vessel for his anointing to flow through. Amen. So I hope you've received some 